But let's give Joe some encouragement as he comes to proclaim the good news. Thanks, Joe. Well, aren't you glad that we have a God that is mighty to save? Aren't you glad to be here at church today? I'm glad to see everybody here. Uh, we're going to be reading out of uh, Mark chapter 2. Um, and as I was reading through this when Pastor asked me to preach, um, I read through it and I picked, there were about six sections I picked out of it. I was like, well, you know, here's a section I could preach, here's a section I could preach, here's another one. I began digesting all the material in it. Um, the first 12 verses, that whole story just kind of stuck with me. And so that's where we're going to be reading from. And the Pew Bible is on page 683. Um, so if you would, uh, would everybody please stand for the reading of God's Word. <coughs> Beginning in verse 1. And again, he, I'm reading out of the New King James, so this will be a little different than the Pew Bibles. But this is a version that I like. Um, and again, he entered Capernaum after some days. And it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was, so that when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoned in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately, when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Arise, take up your bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that they were amazed and glorified God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. May God add his blessing to the reading and teaching of his word. You may be seated. So as I was going through reading it, verse 5 kind of stuck out to me when he saw their faith. And so I began thinking, you know, what's faith? What is faith? You know, most of the time you think of faith as something you don't see. It's something, you know, it's just a belief that you have. But here, Jesus saw their faith. He didn't perceive it. He didn't hear it in his, he didn't know it in his spirit. He could see it. And so I have, at home I have a Bible dictionary that I have from one of my classes. It's got about a two or three page definition on faith, but I'm not going to read that whole thing to you. But at the very end, there was, there was four sentences that I thought really hit home with what faith was. And it says, faith means abandoning all trust in one's own resources. Faith means casting oneself unreservedly on the mercy of God. Faith means laying hold on the promises of God in Christ, relying entirely on the finished work of Christ for salvation and on the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit of God for daily strength. Faith implies completely reliance on God and full obedience to God. And when I read that, I'm like, that's it. That is the perfect definition of faith. And as we read through this story... You can see this demonstration that these men have. Now, a lot of people think that there was only the four men and the paralytic. But the Bible doesn't say it was just them. 
it says, and then they came to him. In your Bibles, I think it says, and some came to him. So there could have been more than just them, those, those five guys that were showing their faith. And they had obstacles that stood in their way and to, in order to show their faith. Because when, you're, when God calls you to show your faith, Satan doesn't like that. He's going to put things in your way. And so the first thing they had to overcome was a crowd. And that's the first thing that Satan uses because that's easy. To use other people to get in your way of getting to Jesus. And so they, when they arrived at the door, they were trying to get through the crowd and they couldn't because people were so packed around they wouldn't let them through. So they're like, well, what are we going to do? And so they thought, and houses were often were very constructed very differently than they are today. Um, they often had a flat roof, um, and they usually had beams running from wall to wall. They're about three feet apart, and they'd put bundles of sticks with dried clay, and they'd lay them across there, and they'd spread a fresh layer of clay over top of that. And there was often a staircase leading up to it because that was a place they would go to rest, um, they would go there up in the cool on hot nights because it was cool up there, and they'd go there to kind of get away from the noise of being in the house because oftentimes back then there was they had what I consider an open door policy, and that is that if the door was open, you were welcome to come in and so that's probably how they found Jesus was there and so but these men had to conquer how do we get to Jesus? We can't get through the crowd, so they thought we can get up on the roof, and so they you know. They go over to the staircase to go up the roof, and probably wasn't very wide. And so that was another obstacle. There are things that stand in your way of showing your faith, of getting to Jesus. And, it's, and so they had to get past that. And so I can just trying to picture four guys carrying somebody on what was probably no more than a blanket up a narrow staircase. I'm thinking, I don't think they could get more than one wide up that staircase. So I'm trying to figure out. You know, how, how do you get this paralyzed man up a staircase? But somehow they did it. And then when they got up there, they still had to get through the roof. So there's always one more thing that you have to do in order to get to Jesus. And then the one thing was they had to get through the roof. And so they're up there. They're digging through the roof. And I can just picture Jesus in this room full of people. And Jesus just knows what's coming. And he's smiling. And he's smiling. And he's like, he knows what's coming. And people are like, what is that noise? You know, they can hear him. They're getting, when finally they get the hole big enough, people are like, what's going on? And in the midst of it, they let him down. And then we get to the next part of verse 5 when Jesus says, Son, your sins are forgiven. And that was something that nobody said back then. Because in the Jewish law, that was blasphemy. The only person who forgives sins was God. And we can see that after that, the scribes tell them, or kind of thinking this, but um, as they're going through this, uh, when Jesus says, your sins are forgiven, the scribes recognize that's blasphemy, and he can't do that. And they're happy for that, because this is the first time in Mark's Gospel where we start to see opposition to Jesus' message. The whole first chapter was this build-up. Now the opposition comes in, and they're like, we've got to stop this guy. But Jesus knows what they're thinking. And so he says, why do you, why do you reason these things in your hearts? Because um, he's, he's fully God, so he knows what, everything that they're thinking. And so um, he knows what they're thinking, and then he goes and tells them, well, it's easier to forgive sins because this, this is part of God's plan to establish the authority of Jesus to forgive sins. And so... 
Um, he says to them, because in this day and age, sin was often any kind of infirmity, sorry, excuse me, any kind of infirmity, any kind of disease, anything bad that happened was often associated with sin. And so when, he, when Jesus forgave his sins, that automatically opened the door so this paralytic could get healing um, when he did that. Um, and so that's why Jesus forgave his sins first. He One, he established his authority. Two, he opened the doors to, to, relieve, to um, remove any final doubt that the paralytic and his friends had that he could be healed. And Jesus then, as he goes on, he says, so he tells them that he shows them, tells them that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. But he turns and he turns back to the paralytic because he was talking to the scribes. He turns back to him and says, "Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house." And so, when he does that, he proves that he has the authority to forgive sins because they would have still thought, "Well, he forgave sins and now he's healed." You know, that's you know that's amazing that Jesus can do that. Um, and so he established um, his authority, but he also proved that he was also fully God because any other person wouldn't be able to do that. And so going through this message, and I was praying back here this morning, I want to I hit things that will encourage you, I want to challenge you, and I want to change you as I was when I read this passage. I want you to know that um, Jesus... Um, calls you to have a faith that he can forgive your sins. And that's what these men demonstrated. He wants you to show that you have faith in order to um, to have your sins forgiven. And once he calls you to that, once you get to your forgiveness, that's when you can experience healing. Because we're all that paralytic at one point in our life. We all have that, that sin that paralyzes us. And it's not not always physical. Usually it's not. Um, usually it's mental, but Jesus has the the power and the authority to heal you. But you have to sh- have to show faith that um, have to show Jesus that you have the faith that He has the power to do this. And once you show that, He'll forgive your sins. And once He forgives your sins, you experience a healing like you've never felt before. And so that's what that's what's going on in this story. Um, and at the end of this story. There's praise. Because when Jesus shows up like he did, when he forgives sins and the people experience a healing like he did, there has to be praise because they can only give glory to God through this. And so I want to challenge you because I've been challenged through this in that I don't always step out in faith. Um, And so... Because with, with faith, I abandon trust in my own in one's own resources for my definition. I don't always do that. I sometimes rely on, well, I've got this and this and this and I can do that. But that's not what God calls us to. God calls us to step out in faith and abandon the trust in ourselves. And God will provide a way and God will provide the resources that we don't have. And so, as a church, what does that look like? That might look like, well... For, individ- for you, it might look like, well, let's go across the street, you know, maybe talk to the neighbor. For some people, it's, well, hey, there's that co-worker at work who's, you know, they've got a, they're having a marital problem. There's a death in the family. Maybe I can go help them. 
for others like me, he called me to full time ministry. So I have to have the faith to step out into that and say, "Okay, God, equip me. I don't have the resources to do that. And so that's the first thing is faith. We have to I want to challenge you to have this the roof removing faith that these men had. And the next thing is I want you to experience the forgiveness that Jesus has to offer. Because Jesus continually the Holy Spirit continually convicts us of different sins we have in our life. And so it might be something that you thought, Oh, this is okay to do, you know, everybody else is doing it. But as you go through, you realize, you know, that's separating me from God. And that's causing problems in my life. And so you need to come to a new forgiveness. And once you experience that forgiveness, you can you experience the next part, which is the healing of God. And once you, and once you are forgiven and you have that healing, you never felt, you're not that same person you were. You have a new joy. You have a new uh, peace. You have a new hope. Because Jesus forgave you and you healed from that sin that was separating you from him. And you can now fully experience God. Um, And then you go back, you get to praise. And so you have to give praise. You say, thank you, God, for saving me from that. Thank you for bringing me out of that. Thank you for being in that situation. Because if it hadn't been for you, you're the only person who could bring me out of that. But this this keeps circling around, and you have to keep going, and you keep going forward. You step out in faith again. Okay, where's the next place you want me to go, God? What's the next thing you want me to do? And say, is there any other sin I need to confess, Lord? And you keep going, and this is it's a cycle um, that Jesus is establishing. Any time that Jesus shows up, and this story um, is a perfect example, is when Jesus shows up, there's forgiveness. When Jesus shows up, there's healing. And when Jesus shows up, you have to give praise because there is no other explanation. You'll be there in amazement. And so, some of you, um, this is going to be a short message, I guess, (laughs) but some of you, God is calling to step out in faith to receive His forgiveness. And some of you, God is calling to step out in faith and go do something for Him. He's calling you to maybe just go across the street, maybe to say hi to a, to a new person at work. Maybe he's calling you to a mission trip. Maybe he's calling you to preach. But God's calling you to step out in faith in something and say, you know, you know what, God, I'm abandoning my trust. I'm going to rely on you. I'm going to hold on to the, your promises, and I'm going to live in full, complete reliance and full obedience to you. And then, and once you do that. You have the greatest peace, the greatest joy you have ever had. So God's calling some of you to that. To others, He's calling you, He wants you to give Him praise for the way that He's been with you in your life. He wants you to say, well, to give Him praise because He's the only one that can get you through it. Um, To some people, He's saying, you have things in your past that I want to heal you from. He's saying that I can heal you from that depression. I can heal you from that addiction if you come and leave it at the altar to me. Go Abandon trust in yourself. Now, that doesn't negate the need for counseling because sometimes Jesus heals through that. And so, But he's saying, come leave it for me and I will show you 
where you need to go. I will direct you in your faith where you need to be. Some people need to do that today. Um, And so, I'm going to ask somebody to come play some music. Um, And maybe some of you need to come um, say, God, where are you calling me to? Where do you want me to step out in faith? Some of you need to say, God, I need forgiveness from the sin. Maybe some of you need to say, God, I need to experience the healing power of your love. Um, and so pastor's going to um, close us at the appropriate time when he feels ready. Um, but I just want to leave the altars open for anybody who might want to come.